It's a win, win, win across the business. Framing it as solving for pain with a people benefit is one of the easiest ways to start putting your foot in the door. Welcome to the State of Sales Enablement Podcast with your host, Felix Kruger. Insights and actionable advice from B2B marketing and sales experts that share what it takes to achieve sales enablement excellence. People-focused enablement has the potential to improve the employee experience, morale, retention, and ultimately growth. In today's episode, we speak to an enabler who has made the people-first mentor core of her enablement approach. She will share how enablement can contribute to making the employee experience a priority, how this relates to business impact, and the common pitfalls to avoid. Please welcome Lupio Senior Director of Revenue Enablement, Stephanie White. Stephanie, welcome to the State of Sales Enablement. Great to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So, Stephanie, you're based in Canada, which makes for freezing temperatures. I just survived the latest Australian heat wave, so I'm I'm glad that we both made it on this call after those difficulties. But just for people that are not familiar with you, which would be a surprise to me considering all the great content that you post on LinkedIn. But for those of you that don't know Stephanie White, what is your background and what do you do now? Yeah. So hi, everybody. Nice to meet you. I come from a background that originally started in account management and marketing close to 20 years ago, just to age myself a little bit here. And I followed the path that I think a number of folks in enablement have, which was learning how to sell myself, being a customer success manager, as we would now call it, and working in tech, making the shift about 10, 12 years ago, and starting to see this amazing kind of subculture that was coming up, what true high growth was in a business and true potential, and took on a bunch of different roles on the technical side, on the operational side of the business, and as a seller before moving into sales enablement and sales ops about six, seven years ago. So that all brings me to now where I am at Lupio as the Senior Director of Revenue Enablement. That's brilliant. I really appreciate it when people have diverse backgrounds and have dipped their toes into lots of different disciplines because what you see over and over again is that the more influences you can actually draw from, the more holistic your approach typically is as an enabler. So I fully appreciate that about your background, and I'm sure that's also reflected in the work that you do at Lupio. But when we initially spoke about you coming on the podcast, you mentioned a topic that I found really interesting because it has come up in the past when it came to actually positioning enablement, not only internally in, a, in an organization, but also as a way to attract great sales talent to an organization. And one of the th aspects that you mentioned that enablement can really contribute to is that enablement initiatives can improve employee experience, morale, retention, and growth. So what is that all about? Like, let's unpack this here. Yeah, because that's like a small topic, right? <laughs> that's right. So I come from it from the perspective of sales enablement is people enablement. Small sentence, big meaning in terms of what I'm going with there. It really comes down to how do we make sure we have the right people in the right roles and we're arming them with the right tools, processes, training, coaching, all of that stuff to make them as successful as possible. And so when I come at it from a lens of not sales enablement, which is kind of our lagging indicator, right? Did you book the deal? Well, by the time I realize that, it's too late. 
Instead, by thinking about people enablement, I'm thinking about all those things up front. What is your experience as an employee? And how are we curating that? How are we nurturing you? Not nurturing the deal, but nurturing you in your growth and success in your role today and beyond. That was a quick answer. But when we think about what that means, I really see three buckets that come into play. Growth and development opportunities. Recognition, for sure, is a key part. And it's not all about the money. Jerry Maguire had his line, I'm going to take it from the other direction. But then also the organizational alignment and awareness. Getting those silos gone of the difference between being in a sales pod versus understanding where you fit in the overall revenue engine. Those are three elements that I really think about in terms of how do we drive the people enablement part of sales. That makes a lot of sense to me, you know, because I think one of the biggest shifts that I have made or the biggest aha moments that I had in my work as an enabler was when I really started to be intentional about making sellers and their managers feel like I'm rooting for them and all I want is for them to succeed. So initially my career was really focused on the business side of things, you know, like what does the senior executive leadership want? how we can drive those KPIs and so on. But then I have to admit, initially probably neglected a little bit that people angle. And then as soon as I made that shift to the people focus, what you just described, I saw magically both sides improve, you know, like the engagement from the sellers as well as the business metrics. So I fully agree with what you're saying there. And I can vouch for that sort of impact that can be created there. But let me just ask from your point of view, is that something that you have always followed in your work as an enabler, or is that something that you just recently introduced at Lupio? And if you just did it recently, like how did you sell that approach to senior executive leadership as part of your enablement program and your enablement approach? Did you proactively communicate that, or is it just something that is part of your DNA of your enablement operation? So I think it really crystallized for me I was in an enablement role at a previous organization when COVID hit. And though I may have been described as a little bit of a touchy-feely person, so to speak, in terms of really asking employees on the team, are you happy? Do you feel motivated? That took it to the next level for me. So my mindset shifted from the tactical organizational aspects of our seller's experience in the workplace to suddenly now being conscious of this account executive is working from home. They have two kids under the age of five. They've got 15 other things going on in their day. They're maxed out. They're stressed out. They may have sat through a one-hour training session before, but this is not that world. So how do we need to be putting our people first, but still driving revenue? I think that is when, for me, a lot of those things came together. And it really forced a mental shift of, it's not sales enablement. We got to go further up the cycle. It's people enablement. And that happened pretty quickly as a light bulb moment for me. I would say it didn't happen as quickly convincing my leadership team at that organization that we needed to go that way. And that's okay. We all have defining moments in our careers. And over the coming months, I worked to do some incremental shifts and changes and saw the benefit to it, both in terms of our sellers, but really for me as an enablement professional, I started to feel and see the benefit to the people I was supporting, but also for me, my why 
got so much stronger. My why was about seeing the potential in people for who they truly are and helping them be that. I had been following Lupio for a period of time because the product interested me and I was hoping we could buy it at that company I was at. And it was about a year later when Lupio all of a sudden was creating a new role in sales enablement to start up a new team. And I thought, okay, okay, okay. You throw your hat in the ring on these things. And I had one conversation and it was so exciting because the recruitment partner I spoke to was talking about how the whole company has this focus on people. And I went and I did my due diligence and I talked to people who worked there and I read Glassdoor and all the other sites, as you do. And every step in the interview process was not just where they were saying they believe in empowering people as being core to the culture at Lupio, but I saw it and I felt it. So when I came into Lupio with a people enablement focus, I didn't have to sell that. I didn't have to position it strategically or otherwise. I think that's actually why I was hired because of that title alignment. Yes, I had the background to, you know, credibility and all that, but it was because I wanted to focus on not the nuts and bolts of, okay, we're going to do training every second Friday or anything like that. It was like, let's get deeper. How are we going to think about keeping our top performers? What does that mean? How do we leverage them? How do we get drive higher engagement? And that was where things got exciting. And in I went, I joined in summer of 2021. And it was kind of a world is your oyster moment. Let's figure out what the business needs and let's start building my team. And I did that over last year. And now that my team is ramped up, it's like this momentum that's starting. And so I didn't have to sell it, which is incredible. It's awesome. I think that's the best case scenario for an organization, right? Like that really makes it part of their DNA rather than just slapping a few slogans on the wall, but really living it day to day, right? Do you find there is a true effort to actually correlate business metrics? So you talked about retention of top performers, for example. Is that something that is being measured or is it just part of the general way the company operates and there's a trust in it's having a positive impact across all areas of the business, including the metrics? Yeah, so it's both. So I think anyone who takes the mindset of training is enablement's job, keeping employees as their manager's job, making sure people are paid well and have job opportunities is HR's job, that all needs to stop because that may work in huge enterprise organizations. It doesn't work when you're a scaling startup or a business that has a large portion of Gen Zs and millennials. That's just the old way. It doesn't work that way anymore. So it is very deliberate that it is ingrained in the culture. And the ways that that shows up is in every all-hands meeting, making sure that there's different voices speaking, that everybody plays a role, everybody gets to showcase their expertise and what they're doing with the business. But it also means that, yeah, we got to back it up with data. So looking at what is our average tenure? What are we seeing in terms of performance by segment, if you're in sales, by roles in other departments? What do we need to be thinking about based on employees who have recently left and our regular review cycles where we're doing performance review conversations? What are we learning? Forget exit interviews. That ship has sailed. It's too late. But how are you engaging with your people on a regular basis and having meaningful, honest conversations? It is very calculated in a very deliberate and purposeful way, but the intention is purely focused on people and helping them be their best. 
And when we talk about employee experience and retention and growing talent, developing talent, those are often keywords that are associated also with initiatives driven by HR, right? So how did you, in your particular case, collaborate with HR and make sure that there's actually alignment across the the things that you do in terms of those enablement initiatives that actually drive those aspects of the employee experience and other things that are being done across the business? How did you achieve that alignment? Yeah. So one of the projects that I did, you know, you come in and you build up a enablement organization. There's a lot of different projects you can take on and you've got to prioritize them. But if we're going to focus on people, one of the things that I looked at is let's go back to basics. For each of our roles, do we have competencies defined about what good looks like for each role in our organization? And that sounds super simple. But getting that right and making sure it's up to date is really important. So I partnered with each of the sales leaders. What does great look like for this role? If you were to think about somebody who's at 100% quota attainment, what are the behaviors and competencies they're demonstrating? Let's define that both qualitatively and quantitatively. And then from there, I do the work back. So my team owns onboarding at Lupio, and I love that for us. Some people stay away from onboarding. They're like, oh, I don't want to be responsible for that. I'm here for that. For the first 30 days, our enablement team is responsible for helping get the employee oriented and onboarded to their team and the company. And so once I knew what good looked like for those competencies by role, then we back that up, right? What is our ramp period that we expect for our employees? Maybe it's three months. Okay, so let's put in our milestones. Let's be strategic. Let's be data-oriented. If at the end of month three, we expect this, what does that look like at the end of month two? What does that look like at the end of month one? Let's make sure our onboarding program up until the end of month one supports that. Now, I could lead that initiative and obviously make sure that I have buy-in from the sales leadership team. Once all that's done, this is when the fun stuff starts, if that wasn't fun already. But then it becomes partnering with the sales leadership team and people operations to say, cool, we've defined what onboarding success looks like what it looks like when they're successful getting up ramp, and what ultimately being good in their role is. But what does great look like? For each of those competencies, how do we know when somebody should be eligible for a promotion? How do we know objectively when somebody should get extra recognition or reward? And that's when people operations or HR, depending on your organization, you start to partner. And again, enablement can lead these conversations based on these competencies. How do we create sales career paths that become opportunities and, yes, retention methods to keep top performers, where it's not just tied to quota attainment, but it's tied to the behaviors and cultural elements that they're adding to the organization? That was a fun one for me and something where it was very much enablement-led, but really partnering with sales leadership and people operations to make sure that we've got this path. So in the span of six months, we went from, you know, a seller maybe saying, other than attaining quota, I don't know what the soft stuff is. I don't know the behaviors I'm supposed to be showing exactly. I don't know what good and great looks like. Cool. Now, not only do they know that at month one, month two, month three, they also know what that starts to look like when they're eligible for promotion. And again, that's separate from quota right? Because quota is a lagging behavior attainment, whereas these behaviors are leading. And better yet, they know how those competencies can feed into their career growth and progression for the next role. 
and the next role. And that kind of transparency can't help but drive more engagement. That's a really interesting viewpoint. It's almost like it would make sense to actually map out. We always talk about the buyer journey and overlaying that with the sales process. So creating that sort of map of the transaction, so to speak. But it almost makes sense based on what you're saying to actually map out the employee journey and the employee experience throughout an organization. Is that fair to say? Yeah, so that's exactly the way that I think about it. And when I need to describe it internally for someone who may question, why do we need competencies? Why do we need this? It's the exact same reason that we think about the customer journey from first touch through to you know retention and new contracts and ongoing renewals. It's the exact same thing. From the first point a candidate engages with us for a role, what is their experience all the way through? Do we set the right expectations? Do we deliver on the value that we've committed to? All of those things. Thinking about the employee experience as a journey and thinking about the influence that enablement can have on that journey, where do you think throughout this journey are the biggest or the most common risky stages where employees are likely to have a negative experience that we can mitigate? And where are the opportunities for us to really score easy wins with enablement being involved? What are your thoughts on those two? This one may be controversial, but I would say internal interviews for new roles can be risky territory. Right. For a couple of reasons. If you have multiple internal candidates or you have internal and external candidates, it causes a distraction to their current role when they're preparing for those interviews. Best intentions aside, when you get distracted with something, it's hard to continue focus and deliver 110% at your role. If the interview goes well, great. Now you have a backfill situation potentially for that role. So small risk for the business because you got to make sure you can backfill. Hopefully you have some overlap, but best laid plans, that often doesn't happen. But the bigger risk to me is inevitably you likely have more candidates than you have roles. And so when someone doesn't get a role that they've interviewed for, the risk of churn is very high. And business reasons aside, legitimate performance or interview notes aside, it is very difficult to retain an employee for six months or longer if they've interviewed for an internal role and not received it. Yeah, that makes sense. I think uh, <laughs> I know a few people that left their businesses after they didn't get the roles they were after. That also includes all seniorities, by the way. So I think that the general feeling of disappointment of not scoring those roles can really have a massive impact. And what about the other side of the coin? So what are the areas where enablement can get involved that can really make sure that we score goals and really make for a positive experience? Yeah. I mean, we think about growth opportunities. Gone are the days of this conventional ladder. If you're in sales, okay, I'm a business development rep, then I want to be an AE, then I want to be an enterprise account AE, then I want to be a sales manager. Like, forget all that. You can do zigzag careers now. You can also be in your role and start getting involved with other special projects and initiatives across the business to add value, to add interest, to add worth. When I think about enablement, one of the cool things that we can do, and Roger Jefferson said this beautifully earlier this week, we can orchestrate. We can be the conductor of the orchestra. Each of the instruments in and of itself, yep, they sound great. But the beauty is when you can get them going in harmony together. And I'm paraphrasing. But the relationship in this question is that I know 
from working closely with product marketing. Hey, they've got an upcoming initiative. They would love on the ground insight from somebody in C. If I know I have somebody on the sales team who's perhaps feeling a little bit frustrated that they aren't having opportunities for growth, maybe they've recently lost a deal and they're just feeling not great and engaged, I can make that connection. I can provide that opportunity for growth. And when we're closely intertwined as enablers with the managers and we understand people's competencies and what they want to be working towards, we can get them involved in all kinds of projects, big and small. And the impact to the business is measurable. We see engagement go up when people feel like they're being recognized for their strengths. We see them come in with more energy and more tenacity, and they're willing to work harder to overcome a barrier because they've had this success in another way. I see a lot of that stuff as low-hanging fruit that enablement can have some quick hit impacts in terms of employee engagement. So you mentioned initially that Lupio is really an organization that lives and breathes, that people focus. But of course, it's not always the case for all organizations out there. And there might be some enablers listening right now that work for organizations that don't necessarily have that mantra. And they want to be a force for good and really change that shift so that senior executive leadership doesn't only put the focus on the employee experience and retention when there's a talent shortage. So what would your advice be to those enablers listening right now who want to be a force for good on that front and really want to make the case for a greater people focus across their business? So start small and start by solving a problem. So what I mean by that is if, for example, the business has identified that there is a capacity gap. So I'll go back to this project analogy. Okay, so a team wants to roll out a project. Ideally, you want to do it within the quarter, but capacity is a problem. You can hit two things with one stone here. You can go to your sales leadership team and you can say, we have this great opportunity. We can outsource it. We can push back the timeline or we can still deliver it on time and we can do it with more value by engaging some internal resources. Which of you has someone on your team that you would love to recognize for a strength that they have while adding more value to the business. Now, again, some people might be saying, okay, like that's soft, cool. Okay, fine, but we're gonna quantify this. So let's say the project that's rolling out is a product feature. And you, Felix, are my head of sales in this example. Felix, the product team would love to get this out and running. We're having some challenges with beta testing. You have Eric, who is a superstar rep on your team, who's been doing all kinds of prospecting conversations around why there is this need. And in fact, you and I have talked about some deals that we've recently lost because we do not have this product feature. The product team is forecasting that it's six months out. Now, I've spoken to the product team, and we found this opportunity where Eric can help drive some of the testing, and we could actually use it with some prospects to both have them feel like they're collaborating and we're a really solid partner, but also give Eric the chance to showcase his expertise on the industry. And by the way, Felix, then we're going to be able to deliver it in three months instead of six. So I know you might be concerned about time. Here's what I've put together. I'm estimating that it's two hours over the next two weeks. It can be completely flexible based on Eric's schedule. And what we will have at the end of the next month is X, Y, Z ready to go out to your first prospects in the beta testing. How does that sound to you? 
Very good, Stephanie. (laughs) (laughs) So obviously not rehearsed off the cuff, but these are the conversations that you can start to have. We're enabling sales. So try to lean into your own sales chops and solve for pain and link it to the revenue it's going to drive or the risk it's going to reduce. Yes, the upside is Eric is going to feel like, look at me, I'm like a subject matter expert internally on this segment. You, Felix, are going to be like, I'm such a great team player. I'm giving up my resource to solve for this other department's problem. And the product team is also going to look like superstars because here they were able to solve for a problem where instead of six months, it's now going out in three. It's a win, win, win across the business. Framing it as solving for pain with a people benefit is one of the easiest ways to start putting your foot in the door. Mm. No, I love that. I love that. It's a great way to align your stakeholders based on that example that you brought here as well. I think one of the things that I have also used in the past to advocate for initiatives that really impacted employee experience to a degree as well was to talk about risk. The risk mitigated in not providing that great experience in that development path, right? Which especially is an easy case to make if you talk about the costs to the business involved in actually losing people and having to rehire new people, right? It is absolutely staggering if you actually put on paper what the productivity loss is for a sales team, how many hours need to be spent in actually getting that job description up, getting the job ad up going through the interview process and so on, you know, those are countless hours of distraction, right? And doing those little things consistently that you described, you know, to really set people up for success and make feel that you really care about them and mitigating those risks also that you outlined around the internal interviews, for example. I think those sort of things, they can also cause leadership to buy into initiatives when they haven't thought about those sort of issues in monetary terms yet. I think so much potential for enablers to add value there. But I wanted to come back to one point that you mentioned earlier about the way you changed your approach during COVID. And a lot of companies still haven't really figured out their formula for effective employee engagement, you know, like in a hybrid work environment. You would think by now everybody would have it sorted, but I can I can assure you not everybody does. So when it comes to actually engaging employees effectively across the business remotely, like what have you found worked really well throughout your exploration of that methodology during COVID-19? So it definitely has shifted. And I think depending on where you were in the world and the extent to which you had physical isolation over the last several years, it impacted what you needed to receive culturally from your job to feel engaged and committed and part of the team. I'm located outside of Toronto and we were in physical lockdown for significant periods of time, more so than the majority of the rest of Canada. And there was a span that was about 16 weeks when even children's parks were closed. Wow. You could not golf, you could not go to the park, Anything non-essential was closed, like it was a complete lockdown. You didn't see your family, none of those things happened. And so what people needed during that time was very different. They needed the feeling of security from their employer. They needed to feel like they were cared for because they were stressed out, they were juggling, schools were closed, everything was closed, they had no idea what was happening. 
And it was a lot of stress. So things like feeling valued and cared about through employee benefits and employee assistance programs via phone and having whether it was meditation sessions that were led by your company, workout sessions online, all of these things had a lot more value. I think what we've seen in the couple of years since is as the world has physically opened up more, people's interest in a lot of those things has dropped off. I no longer want to be on a 45-minute yoga workout session over my lunch (laughs) break. Like, I got things to do. When I had nowhere in the world I could go, that was wonderful. I couldn't go to a yoga studio. Now I'm like, "Mm, I got other things. So I think where we've now shifted is what a lot of employees value. And I'm hearing this from a lot of people in enablement, which is interesting because often we get the unfiltered version, particularly from sellers. They value independence. They value physical and time freedom. Being in a remote world, but having the choice to go into office is a deal breaker for so many people now. And the companies that have tried to mandate people going back, again, depending on where you are and the demographics of your employees, you're seeing some mass exodus in some companies. People value feeling trusted and empowered and having the flexibility to get inspired during their day because they know after this long, you shouldn't be questioning my work ethic. I know how to do this. I got this. You're going to get more out of me in the 40 hours this week than if I was going into an office five days a week, even for the same amount of hours. I got more energy. I'm more excited about my day. So I think now what employees are starting to value more again, especially with the economic condition shifting, job security, clarity in terms of their roles and expectations of what success looks like, which we were talking about earlier with the competencies. Having transparency in the organization and understanding the organizational alignment that they play to support the company's goals so that job security is not a concern. Things like stock options were a great idea when, you know, particularly in tech, the market was just going up, 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 up. Now people are more concerned with things like employee benefits. How are you taking care of me? I'm not looking to switch my job in the next nine months. So how can I add more value and be part of this team in a deeper, more meaningful way? It's been a big shift. And I think for now, it's actually a shift for the better because it's a little bit closer to the old normal in terms of people feeling invested in the teams that they're with. But I really think it comes down to empowering teams and the people we have, especially in sales. Arm them with knowledge, training, and support and empower them to go do great things. Get out of their way and give them every opportunity to be successful. For anybody who wants to increase their people focus and their enablement work. Are there any specific resources that you can recommend that talk about the people focus and that would help enablers sharpen their X on that front? Okay, so one of the things I would recommend is get yourself familiar with what learning culture is and what it is not. So learning culture is no longer, again, for a lot of younger employees, structured, very detailed learning with strict rules and expectations about what we expect our sellers to be engaging with. Learning culture and understanding how it plays into how each of us approaches our day is what's really important. There is a great podcast, the Learning Culture Podcast, who is actually run by Andrew Barry, really focuses on bringing in different leaders who have a people-focused approach and talking through, how did I come to be this way? 
What are the challenges that I face? And by the way, here's some real life stories from the trenches. I think we can all talk about books and take courses and like, that's great, but it's the real life stories where you want to be able to hear, okay, this person came in and they wanted to pitch this great idea and they fell flat on their face to their board. Here's what they've now learned from it. And they're going to share it with you in terms of their specifics and how they've overcome it past. So I would say definitely check out the Curious Lion podcast and really just get ingrained with thought leaders who believe in people engagement and people enablement in the community. If anybody has any specific people that they are looking for, considering, please connect with me directly. I'd be more than happy to make some introductions for you. Awesome. So where can people find you online? You can absolutely find me on LinkedIn, Stephanie White Sales, and you can absolutely, obviously, find me through our wonderful host today, Felix, as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining today, Stephanie. Thank you. Have a great day, everybody.